A From Dublin to Cleveland production. Hello and welcome to From Dublin to Cleveland. I am Logan Howard and I'm joined by the one and only host of this podcast, future uh, New York Times bestseller. It is Brendan Thomas Merritt. How are you doing, Brendan? I received that prophecy. Yes, Lord. Yes, and amen. <laughs> All right. So, Happy um, New Year, bro, and guests. Ah, yes. Happy New Year to everyone. Um, so, we are going to do something different to this this week. We're gonna have both of us sort of giving our testimonies, but at the same time, um, we're gonna be doing it together, and we're gonna do it more in a questionnaire format rather than just a direct. Here's your testimony from point A to point B. So it'll be a little bit different, um, and hopefully it'll be enjoyable for those who are listening. So um, let's start us off with the first question. Uh, And the first question is, how and when, Brendan, did you first hear or receive the gospel? I think I was six years old. Um, and I was sitting on an armchair in my sitting room. My dad picked up a Bible and he said, this is the Bible. This is God's book. Holy Spirit told people what to write and they wrote it down in this book. This book is God's story. Everything in it is true. So I did not need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ with the cross, the resurrection, and all that crack. As soon as I heard that the Bible was the word of God, I made a decision there and then to believe every single word that it said. I did not know what Genesis 1-1 was. I had no idea how the book ended, who the main characters were, but I just knew that it was all true, it was all God's word, and a fire was set deep down in my heart, and I was hungry to know and understand it. And uh, that's the moment when I first said, all right, Jesus, you and I are in this together. Let's get it done. What about you? Um, So mine comes a little bit different. I, of of course, it's sort of similar in that it, it was at a young age that I heard um, I heard about the gospel. It was, uh, I remember distinctly being, I think maybe, maybe six, um, maybe seven. Um, and we had, we had this thing here in America, it's called a wanna. And it's basically for all little kids to go and hear God's, God's word spoken to them. Um, and they play games and we do different things. So if you're an American, you probably know what a wanna is. If you're not an American, you probably don't know what a, what a wanna is. Um, but it was basically sort of, uh, a little, it was like two or three hours in the evening and we'd have a chat and, uh, talk about God's word and, and play games. So, um, we went one night and I remember the teacher, um, she was preaching on, or she was teaching on, um, hell and that all of us are doomed to go to hell if we don't know Christ as our savior. Mm. And I remember being that young and being terrified because the picture she portrayed and the, I mean, as how Jack mm. actually is, it's a terrible place you don't want to go to. 
Um, and so that was, uh, that I, I wanted to know more about how to, to know Jesus Christ, my savior. Um, now I can't say that it was a actual, uh, great relationship with Jesus Christ after that. Um, because I knew I needed a savior, but in reality, I was just doing it to get out of jail free card, a get out of hell free card. It was more focused on that and not so much on who God is and what God is. Um, and so when I, as I got older, I got an opportunity to go to camp, um, down in, down, not far from me, maybe an hour or two. And, uh, they had this, this really cool camp. You're able to do a lot of outdoors activities, ride horses and such. And we, and we were teaching on how Jesus Christ has to be your Lord and Savior and nothing else can compare with that. So anything, what's most important is what comes out in your life and what you see in your life. And so what you focus on and what you spend your time doing, mm-hmm. that's what's most important to you. And at that time, I was focused so much on sports and knowing sports and, um, you know, thinking about sports all the time. And God really convicted my heart that that was not what needed to be most important and he needed to be most important. From that, from that moment on, I can honestly say my life has been different and been focused on following him rather than following what I want or things of this world. Um, so that, that's the first question. Uh, second question, um, what changes after you received Christ or, uh, after you received Christ, what changes took place in your life and what did, what do you, what did you see that took place? Everything in my life got substantially worse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) friends abandoned me, family, and relatives turned on me. Um, the happy, joyful disposition that I'd naturally carried up to that point turned to deep, morose um, depression. Um, it really was a case where the enemy tried to take me out from a very young age in my most formative of years where um, I couldn't articulate what was happening, even to myself. Um, Definitely not to anyone else. Um, But at the same time, despite entering a very dark place that I would abide in for seven or eight years, I also became very religious in my walk with Jesus um very hard line towards evil um partly it was that I didn't fully understand the grace of God that you know we're to live righteously because it's appropriate for those in whom Holy Spirit and Christ and dwell as opposed to like you said <laughs> trying, you know, not to get thrown in everlasting jail. Um, So there was a religiosity there that, on one hand, I didn't entirely understand the grace and and didn't until I was probably about 18, I'll be honest. But at the same time, it enabled me 
to make some wise decisions to avoid certain pitfalls and traps many years in advance. And um, so I knew that our bodies were temples to be honored by Holy Spirit. So I made a decision promptly not to abuse and or misuse substances, whether smoking, drugs, alcohol, etc. Um, you know, no one was putting them down my throat at six years of age. But when the time did come, the mo the decision I made in moment of clarity dictated the decision I made in a moment of unclarity or difficulty or temptation. So um, I made some pretty solid decisions for a young age that um, helped me to avoid some major pitfalls. But, you know, I still struggled with temptations that are common to all people. Um, lust and pornography being a big one, especially in my teenage years. But, um, yeah, I would say that my life with Jesus started off very, very difficult with everyone, or seemingly everyone, um, taking issue with and turning on me and him very pointedly. But I can honestly say Jesus is my best friend. He's always been there for me. He's the reason I'm still alive. And I would say that my relationship with him is a lot stronger than a lot of other people my age could perhaps say about their lives because we really have been through the fire together. Yeah, how did your life change after you made that fateful decision? Well, I would say before, um, and this wasn't really addressed, but before I was really, uh, I had gotten to the point where I hated going to church. Um, I got everything I could do to get out of going to church was some, was the way I tried to do it. So I would fake being sick. I would fake, oh, I don't feel well. I can't go to church. Mm. And after it was like a joy to go to church, to be able to praise yeah. God, to be able to honor him. Um, and like Brendan said, as, as I grew, yeah, you fall into those pitfalls that everybody falls into of lust and pornography and, um, you know, all those, those sort of sins you even fall into at times the, the one that's not a lot of people talk about, and that's just the love of yourself and who you are and, um, being so focused on yourself that you can't see other people mm -hmm. and love them, um, and thankfully, God continued to grow and work on me. I can think of many opportunities that uh, God opened doors for me to go. Yeah. Thankfully, because I was a part of a church, I was able to, to go in, on mission trips. I was able to go on retreats and places where I was hearing good, sound doctrine. And I was able, I've been able to apply it to my life. That doesn't mean that, you know, I'm the greatest Christian that ever lived. I would never say that. In fact, there is a lot of hypocrisy and stuff that in my life that I am working on getting rid of, but it's not, you know, it doesn't always just go away as soon as you want it to. Um, but it, I would say, like Brendan said, it, at the beginning, it's sort of, is a little weird. And um, like, and Brendan had, had a, a more rougher time of it being bad, but, um, but for me, it was it was like a light went on. The joy and the Holy Spirit came through, and I was able to see things and struggles that other people had that, like I either had in the past before, or was just able to help people with. Um, and so, 
Uh, I can definitely say that the Holy Spirit is inside of me and lives inside of me and works. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that because um, without him, I don't think I would even be able to do half the things yeah. that God has given me to do. So, and I probably wouldn't have lasted this long <laughs> on earth. Yeah. Um, so uh, the next question, um, <laughs> uh, what is the closest you've ever felt to God in your life? Wow. I suppose when I was 15, I was in a very dark place mentally, emotionally. And I had this idea in my head that I just had developed over time. Whereby I saw that God had a treasure chest or a jewelry box. And he would save people on earth, put them inside that jewelry box, shut it, and then they were just, you know, supposed to like wait there until they died. But that was okay, because then they go to heaven, which would be a happy place. But that our lives on earth were never going to get better. Um, whereas that particular night, I just said to myself, I can't live like that. I can't do this. You know, John 10, 10 tells us that Jesus wants us to have abundant life. And I said, Jesus, hmm. that's not the life I'm living in any capacity. <laughs> so I said to him, I'm going to open up my Bible. And the very first line on the very first page has to be you speaking to me. Because if you could create all that is in six days, you can do this. And I said, but if you don't, I'll always believe in you because I've seen too much. I'd had too much revelation not to believe. But I said, but I can't do this. I cannot die every day for no reason. And I opened up my Bible and it was John 14, 14. It was in red, so I knew Jesus was speaking and this took place at the Last Supper. And the very first line in the very first page I saw said, you may ask anything in my name and I will do it. <laughs> well, I slammed that sucker shut threw my bicycle to the other side of the room, terrified. And it was like there were eyes all around my room. God, guardian angels, heavenly host, your dead ancestors, you name it, the whole shebang lot of them were there. And it was the first time that I knew that heaven was watching. You know, Hebrews tells us that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That was the moment I realized, wow, they're actually paying attention to me. So I had to pick up the Bible and make sure I hadn't hallucinated it. <laughs> that had been an issue at the time. Um, and it was still there. 
And I'd heard people praying Jesus' name for years. And I thought it was just a fancy Christianese thing that people just said in some churches, but not in others. And suddenly I realized it was a command. And I prayed for a life change. And that's exactly what he gave me. Hmm. What about you? When have you felt closest to God? Um, probably for me is, uh, I got a really awesome opportunity to go to Canada for a retreat. Um, and so we went up there for a week and, uh, we, one morning they took us out on the boat and they dropped us off at little islands. They, They weren't really islands. They're more like just little bits of land in this, in the middle of this river. And they left us there and said, uh, you can do your devotions, you can sit here, you can sleep, you can do whatever you want, but uh, here you go. Um, and the backstory to this is inside this little area, maybe two or three miles in Canada, are the only poisonous snakes in the Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> and so me, being a person who does not like snakes, right. being put on a random little lake, an island with what I knew to be possible snakes, I was a little freaked out. And so uh, they were going to leave us there for 30 mm-hmm. to thirty minutes to an hour. They said they'll, they'll start picking us up at 30 minutes because I, but because I was one of the last ones, it was going to be probably more like an hour before they picked us up. And so I remember just reading through Romans and going through all of Romans and um, getting through all the parts of like people – uh, walking away from God and how awful they are and then how we need Jesus Christ and all this stuff. And I was just like blown away. And at the same time, I was a little confused because Paul can be a little confusing with his words sometimes. But um, it was it was awesome because as I, as I went along, I stopped thinking about the snakes. I stopped focusing on that and was like, wow, here I am sitting on a little island and I'm worshiping God. And... Um, getting to read his word and hear his, hear his theology and his beliefs. And um, so I can honestly say that that was the moment that I was like, okay, this is, uh, this is bigger than, than just me. Like there's, here's God and he's can like work and use little old me and not, um, it's not just for other people that he uses other people. He does use even little old me. So um, but that I would honestly, yeah, that, that would be the time I would say is close to God. Um, and so likewise, this next question has a little bit to do with that, but what is the time that you felt the most doubt or distance from God? Wow. For me, it was <laughs> building up to the testimony I only shared a couple moments ago. And... You know, the enemy is very insidious and crafty. And from very soon after, I, I chose to, to believe the word. Again, I hadn't even read it, but I decided to believe it all anyway. Um, people just began betraying me en masse, betraying my trust letting me down, doing whatever they could to hurt me, turn others against me, isolate me. I recognize now that, you know, behind 
wicked personalities or spiritual principalities. Uh, at the time, I just thought that they were all evil people. Um, and a big one that the enemy did was have is come after my sexuality and my understanding of what it means to be a man of God in that area. And it just left me very broken, very confused, very disturbed. Um, and on one hand, wondering, you know, why God had put these feelings or desires inside of me, you know, misplaced judgment on my part, but I assumed it was God in some capacity. I hateful of myself because I knew that I was stepping out of alignment with his will. Um, and, you know, even Paul said that, you know, with um, lust and sexual sin, they're not like others. There's a sense that they're different because of how deeply they impact the, the soul and the heart. Um, so that was one where I was really questioning the absolute goodness of God. Um, I've questioned God over the years to why he's let certain things happen. There are times when I'm like, hey, God, you know, giddy up. Giddy up, horsey, let's, let's get this show on the road. We can do this sooner, come on. But that was when I literally began thinking God himself had it out for me. And that he had betrayed his own goodness. It's the only time I've really been happy to have been proved wrong. <laughs> what about you? When have you most felt this different guys? Um, uh, for me, it was before, it was during the initial stages of the COVID pandemic and then towards, it was towards the ends of 2019 and then into the COVID pandemic because okay. uh, at that time there had been somebody I was interested in and they had been like seeing somebody else who I knew behind everybody's back and like that was a frustrating, angering thing for me. Um, and then as we got into the pandemic, it was really hard to, you know, keep working at a grocery store when everybody thinks the world's ending and they're all coming in and buying toilet paper like lunatics. Um, yeah. And so it was it was a really frustrating, depressing time because we couldn't even go to church at that time. Church was closed, so you could only watch it on your little video cameras. Um and I, for me, I felt like I was very far from God. I uh, hadn't been doing my devotions and was just like walking and miserable every single day. Um, thankfully, we got to go on a go to vacation to Tennessee. Um, and that really, it helped me to slow down, um, to stop hurrying and rushing and it sort of opened my eyes to the that you know the working at a grocery store is not forever. Um, I can I can do this because God's with me and He's still there. He still cares. And even though it is rough, miserable, tough, like God will work through it and will help me through it. And He did. Um, he helped me get back to reading His Word. We got church reopened. We were able to actually go back to church, and um, it was just a a good reminder of how much we need each other for those of us who believe Christ. We're not, you know, we're not islands. We can't just live our lives by ourselves. We need other people. 
Um, so that would be that would be mine. But mm. thankfully, it, it turned around. <laughs> it wasn't. I don't live there anymore. Um, no. Next to last question: um, What is a pertinent verse that you feel would be helpful for those of our uh, our little community to hear today? I think Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is so important. Mm. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not to harm you. So no people, God does not send coronavirus to punish the Western church for apathy. <laughs> plans for good and not to harm you. Uh, plans to give you prosperity. <gasps> Did you just say the big bad evil P word? Yes, I did. And I'll say it again. Prosperity, hope, and a future. The plans for good, prosperity, hope, and a future. And I think uh, <laughs> I think we all need those four things in our lives right now. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. And to contextualize them, those words were when the Israelites were in exile in Babylon for having gravely affronted the Lord for a number of consecutive years. And even in their distress, and uh, those guys actually were being punished by God for, for, for wrongdoing. They lived under blessings and curses. Um, but even while they were in a nationwide detention facility, shall we say, still that word was released to them. I'm still God, yeah. I'm still good, I'm still on your side. And uh, they had to trust that word for a good seven decades or so, but it came to pass. So those of you who are freaking out right now or stressed, these days will not last forever. They will be like dust. Just hang in there. Greater days are to come. Yeah, definitely. And what verse do you think is pertinent for our beloved audience? Well, before we before I get into that, I do want to say verse 12, which is right below verse 11 in Jeremiah 29 says, "Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you." How how poetic is that for for what you mentioned earlier of reading yeah. that verse and it's the same thing and it's in the Old Testament. Um so how cool is that? But for me, I would say yeah. the pertinent verse yeah. that I would Maybe. I would pull out is Proverbs chapter 3 verses five and six. And my, my version is new King James. It says, it says this trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Very simple thoughts, but very profound. Um, if we put our trust in God with everything we have, all of our being, um, what's going to happen. And it, we're going, he's going to, take care of us. He's going to direct our paths. Um, and if we're lean, we're so, we're so easily lean on our own understanding. Um, if we look at the world today, we see that the COVID, the COVID pandemic's running wild. We've got vaccine issues. We've got people arguing over vaccines. We've got, uh, crazy stories of people killing each other and murdering each other and babies being killed. And there's so much evil in the world. And so we can easily say our understanding tells us that this is evil. This is all we have planned for us. Evil, evil, evil. Um, 
but it, as it says in this verse, trust God with your heart. Don't, don't lean on what you see. Don't lean on what you understand. Don't trust that. Trust me. And in everything you do, acknowledge God. So in everything that's going through our lives, we need to acknowledge his um, sovereignty and his will in our lives. If we're looking at what God wants in our lives and what we, what, uh, what he wants us to do, um, he will direct our paths. He'll show us where he wants to put us and take us where we need to be. So I feel like that's very uh, something that a lot of us need to remember, mm -hmm. putting our trust in him and not worrying or relying on ourselves. Um, so last question, uh, and I, I think Brendan sort of gave it away of his, but what is your favorite verse, Brendan? I did give it away, so now I want to choose another one. <laughs> so yeah, uh, John 14, 14 is very, very important to me. Um, yes. But uh, I also love Isaiah 53. But there is another one actually which I love deeply, which is Hosea 2. And it's not just the verse, but the section. 14 to 33. And by 33, I mean 23. <laughs> they had to 14 to 23. Um, so basically, again, Israel were misbehaving. They were very naughty. So uh, the Lord delivers a word to the prophet Isaiah. And it's an end time prophecy. It's um, effectively what's going to happen during the millennial kingdom, the 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth after the rapture and the answer Christ has fallen. But after going on for a good 13 verses about what naughty, cheeky rapscallions the Israelites were, I love this. God says, Now I'm going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert. And every time I read that, I think a death threat's coming. But that's what it says. <laughs> and speak tenderly to her. It always catches me by surprise, even though I know it's coming. There I will give her back her vineyards, and will make the valley of trouble a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came out, out up of Egypt, which is uh, the story of the Prince of Egypt, which we'll see in our previous videos. In that day, declares <laughs> the Lord, you'll call me my husband, you'll no longer call me my master. I'll remove the names of the Baals from her lips, Baal being a demonic god. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I'll make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the creatures that move along the grounds. Bow and sword and battle I'll abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. I'll betroth you to me forever. I'll betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I'll betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. On that day I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies, and they will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine and oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I'll plant her for myself in the land. I'll show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people. And they will say you are my God. 
it's just one of those amazing passages and um, that will come to pass in the millennial kingdom but um yeah even for those of us when we go through desert seasons or we feel like slaves in egypt slaves to circumstance being buffeted around from one governmental agenda to the whims of wicked bosses or evil neighbors or crass society members we can still appropriate that verse that even those seasons god will speak tenderly to us call us loved call us his own his family the ones who loves i think it's amazing amen amen what about you um for me it would be hebrews 12 1 and 2 um, and I'll, I will read it for us. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And every time I hear I hear this verse or I read this verse, it always makes me think of the Olympics. It makes me think of running a race in the Olympics and how we're supposed to get off all these weights. And we as humans collect a lot of weight and we collect a lot of stuff. You know, we have a lot of uh, – we have a society that tells you to buy more and more things and hold on to everything you have and um, store up your treasures here on earth. Uh, the whole Bible talks about how we're supposed to be building treasures in heaven. So we need to be letting go of those things that hold us back. Getting rid of every weight, every sin that so easily ensnares us. As it says, it's easy. It's easy to get caught in those sins. Got to get rid of them. Uh, but as Jesus says, if your arm causes you to sin, cut it off. We need radical amputation to be getting rid of sin. Um, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So that means we're running. We're not walking. We're not jogging. We're running. It's everything we have um, following after him. And again, we're not running so we get some prize so that we looked really cool or are better. We're running, looking unto Jesus. We're focused on Jesus the whole time. We're focused on him. We know that he started the race and he's going to finish the race. That he's going to start our, start our journey and we'll finish our journey. And will be with us every step of the way. And he's the one who did it for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. I mean, let's be honest. He was God. He didn't have to die on the cross for us. He didn't have to come and be shamed. He didn't have to um, have to do any of that. But he did it for us and now is sitting at the right hand of God and will be forever. Um, so to me, this is just a verse that just gives a great picture of of a great mental picture and then just shows who God is and how he has to be our everything and our, our one we worship. So um, with that, I, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Brendan and Brendan, you can close us out and in, in prayer or whatever, however you feel like you'd like to close tonight. Amen. Father God, I thank you for every single person who's listening, Lord. I pray, God, that these anecdotal testimonies of your goodness will do 
what the words have set out to do, which is to inspire hope, to inspire trust, to give courage, boldness, steel and bravery where perhaps it's lacking, and to encourage those who are going through hard times to tarry on fighting the good fight of faith. And for those who are going through pleasant times or very victorious times, extra padding in their hearts so that when the dark times come, these testimonies can provide insulation to their hearts, God, to their will, to their minds. Lord, as we release these words to everyone who's listening and we're even witnessing to ourselves, God, guard these words up in our hearts. May they not be redundant seeds. Now the seed has been sown, may it take root, may it produce fruit, and may it even grow into everlasting life. For anyone who's listening, who has not already made that decision, about their trust in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if anyone's listening to this and you've liked to purge, but maybe the whole church or Bible thing or Jesus thing is new to you, by all means, feel free to reach out to us. You can respond on the YouTube version or the podcast version or email address, which Logan will drop you in just a second because I always forget what it is. <laughs> And just know the God's never far away from you. Jesus loves you. In your worst moments, he died on the cross. And his death was sufficient to buy your freedom. Think of it that when he died, he went to like a three-day jail, for instance. But that sentence he served was enough to buy you salvation. Freedom from the consequences of the bad things you've said, thought, or done. And even if things have been done to you, when you believe in the finished work of the cross of Jesus to make you right with God, his Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. And he'll heal those traumas. And he'll heal those issues one by one. And he'll give you peace where you never thought you'd have it. Joy when you never thought you'd smile again. A good deep belly laugh, even though you spent years crying into your pillow. He's good, he's for you, and there's no better way to start 2022, which will be a year of triumph and victory over the darkness, than by passing over from death to life. From ignorance to faith. From being just a member of the world, my big pool of confusion, into the revelation and healing light of Jesus. It will be the best decision you've ever made. Most definitely. Amen. Um, yes, like Brendan said, Most you can, can get a hold of us at From Dublin to Cleveland at gmail.com you can send us an email there uh respond on youtube of course um you can respond to community or um i know i post on some discord stuff about it it or even on facebook wherever it is you're listening to it this could be five years from now that you're listening to it send us a message and uh because we would love for you to know 
of the hope that you can have with yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, so with that, I will hope to all see yeah. you. You will hear from us next week. We will hopefully have a, a lovely guest um, and we'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye friends.